Become spellweavers, reavers, rogues, and men-at-arms, and answer the call of adventure. Pick up your sword, your axe, your spellbook, your bow, your rulebook, and your dice, and join the forces of good in their eternal fight against vile monsters, conspiring min-maxers, horny bards, and blood-soaked murder hobos. Discover the treasure trove of role-playing games here on Rollin' Bones. My name is Ryan Howard, and I shall be your guide. Welcome to Rollin' Bones with Ryan Howard, now happily, proudly, and officially a part of Valor Studios. I'm so excited for what we've got going on moving forward. We've got some cool things coming on the horizon. As you can see, I am now inside a vat, which is interesting and new. But stay tuned for uh, more changes coming down the pipe for Rollin' Bones. But let's not bury the lead here because tonight I've got two amazing guests. Uh, the first one, you guys have seen him on here before. You've also seen him uh, starring alongside myself in Deadlands of the Hellgate trilogy. We have the returning Todd Moonbounce, and he's brought along with him uh, his co-star from the uh, the new Dead Planet Mothership RPG stream that uh, they're doing. Uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, for the first time on Rollin' Bones, please welcome Jen as well. So, Jen and Todd, welcome to Rollin' Bones. Hello, everyone. Hey, Ryan. Yeah. So good to see you. Hey, it's good to see you too. Looks like uh, looks like Lou made it over here. Lou, it's good to see you. I'm glad you could you could make it here. Uh, for anyone who is unfamiliar, Lou Alou in chat is a great uh, game designer, a great friend of mine. And uh, he loves to contribute, so, uh, you know, we'll, we'll be uh, shouting him out all night long. So welcome, Lou. And guys, thank you so much for uh, for coming on here for the inaugural uh, Valor Studio show. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, congrats on the move. Super exciting. Good to see, uh, it, you know, as you mentioned, we work together on Deadlands and uh, Valor Studios is a class act all around. So it's awesome to see you uh, part of that. And, uh, you know, it's Glad to be here on number one with you. Absolutely. Now, uh, Jen, we are actually mm -hmm. going to start the evening with some questions for you because there are questions that everyone gets asked when they come on Rolling Bones for the first time. So uh, right. let's begin right. here at the beginning. How did you get into RPGs? Oh, boy. Um, I was obsessed with fantasy ever since I was a child. Uh, I had a controller in my hand by the time I was three, and I just loved escaping into all these different stories, and it just made sense to pop into TTRPGs as well because of the reason. I like playing pretend, and I like to act, so. Awesome. Awesome. Now, of all the game systems that you've played uh, just kind of over the the course of your gaming career what would you say is your favorite or one of your favorites oh goodness so i started my gaming career on a vtech socrates entertainment slash education system from like 1988 and i have to say that that's probably still in my brain like my favorite system of all time gotcha gotcha mm -hmm. And as far as like, uh, you know, RPG uh, rule sets, do you have a favorite in, in that particular uh, that particular mold? So uh, I recently played uh, Index Card RPG. Oh, yes. And I was like, <laughs> why have I not heard of this before? It was just so smooth. Role playing was just so like... It was like a breeze. I didn't have to stop every five seconds to be double check a rule or something like that. So like, I don't know. I, I see RPG is now one of my tops. I definitely have to say 
Mouse Guard is another one that I really enjoy. Gotcha. Um, and then I recently started playing the Fallout RPG as well, So, which uses the 2d20 system. So it's good for me because they're supposed to roll low. Uh, but unfortunately, I still I now roll high. So, mm -hmm. yeah, unfortunately, the uh, the dice gods are are hard to trick in that. Yeah, <laughs> they know it's me still. Mm -hmm. Mothership is a roll under system, which we'll get to, I'm sure. And and yeah, the Jen's usual luck uh, ran out right away. We saw in character generation. <laughs> so, so I. I found that uh, with with Deadlands, when we were doing Deadlands, my luck would come in like fits and starts. I would have a whole yeah. bunch of great rolls, all like one right after the other, and then there'd be some nights where I just couldn't hit anything. Yep. And then Todd to... would make fun of me. Just have to hang it up. Yeah, that was yeah very on brand for character. It was you know as the the supposed you know gun shooter quick draw. Yeah. When the dice weren't with you, it hurt. Mm -hmm. I like to call that the ranger's rule. The the thing that you're so amazingly good at is the thing that you roll the worst at so often. And I call it the ranger's rule because in the the trope with D&D &D is every so often uh, the ranger will finally get the chance to track something. Right. And when they finally get to track something, you'll be like, all right, I've been preparing for this my whole life. Everyone stand back. I'm going to find out where this thing is going. That's a two. Oh, yeah, I did that uh, the other night, actually. Hyper Penguin can tell you in chat. Uh, we're playing like a yawning portal type D&D episodic kind of thing. And uh, I was very, very convinced that this mayor was going to, I was, I got him, right? I'm persuading him. I'm like, you have a monster problem. You can fight those. Let's, uh, let's work something out. And I was really convincing until I rolled a two. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's the worst when you like uh, set up a whole bunch of like nice role play stuff around it. Like when you make a really good speech, you have a really good zinger and mm -hmm. you're about to roll some kind of charisma check or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then it just doesn't pan out. Yeah. Yeah. Dice no, it gods did not. Why. Mm -hmm. I tried to get free stuff. It was just all that worked for nothing. And then uh, the last of these introductory questions that everyone gets asked the first time they come on Rolling Bones. And I'll tell you, Jen, the answer to this question can be as philosophical or as sophomoric as you want it to be. Oh, goodness. Okay. Jen, if you could put anything on a t-shirt, what would it be? Put it behind a paywall. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's, that would be my slogan on a t-shirt if I had one. Or Eat the Rich, one of those two. But, I mean, that's more Nick's than me, so. That works better for a patch than a shirt. It does work better for a patch than a shirt. But, yeah, put it behind a paywall would definitely be my slogan that goes on a t-shirt. I like it. That's great. <laughs> cool. So, uh you know, like like we said at the top of the show, we're here to talk about this uh, this new actual play that you guys are doing called Dead Planet, and you're using a system called Mothership. Now, I've never played Mothership before, uh, so this is for both of you, both uh, you know Todd and Jen. How did you guys first get exposed to Mothership, and what was that initial experience like when you first tried it out? Yeah, um, Jen, is this your first intro as well? Our, our yeah, game? Todd is the reason that okay. I play with that Yeah, I didn't know if you had it came across it before as well. So no. I I don't remember exactly when I came across it. Um, I think I like stumbled across it and then it just went in the back of, you know, we all have those files of, of RPGs to check out and it floats around there. And then um, I just kind of, I think with, with the warden, who is the GM, the term for the GM in, in Mothership, uh, my good buddy Rich, uh, he's he's an OSR guy, old school guy, loves those old school games. And Mothership definitely leans into that style. Um, and I think I actually introduced it to him. I don't think it was on his radar, but it came back on mine. Um, I think maybe a little bit of their Kickstarter uh, attraction was part of that. Um, and just got back into it. It was like, all right, I finally want to run this. Um and Rich uh, built some steam with me in that and got into it. And then I finally, um, I think I, 
remember if I started a play by post first. I think I started a play by post. I was running a play by post of it, uh, text based. And then um, for my birthday last uh, November, uh, Rich ran a session, a popular one shot called Ypsilon 14. Um, and uh, so it was myself, uh, Candace, uh, who was also in Deadlands, and then two other of my buddies. Uh, we ran that. And um, just an absolute blast. Uh, Rich did an amazing job with it, uh, you know, with that whole sci-fi horror aspect. Um, you know, I, I, I'd love to give spoilers, but I won't in case you want to check it out because it was an amazing session. Uh, it is up on my YouTube. Um, and But that was like our first dip into it. And we just knew from there, okay, we got to do something with this. Uh, so we started working on And so Dead Planet is a written module uh, by Tuesday Night Games, who created Mothership as well. Gotcha. And... Um, because we were originally going to use the first part of Dead Planet as the one shot for my birthday. But then I was like, no, let's let's expand that. Let's do a series. And so for my birthday one shot, we'll just do the Epsilon. Uh, and so then we start planning this out. And then it was like, OK, let's, you know, figure out who we went, want in on this. Um, you know, brought Candace in on that because, as we all know, she's amazing. Oh, and uh, and then we looked at. Yes. <laughs> magnificent. Indeed. Uh, and so we reached out. I just started uh you know, putting out feelers for people. And um, our other, our fourth member, uh, Kay, who she actually reached out uh, on Twitter and said, hey, I'm interested and met with her. Uh, fantastic individual. And uh, she runs games for Jen. That's how uh, Jen got roped in because uh, she had GM'd for Jen and said, hey, Jen's interested in this. And and uh, yeah, brought uh, them on. So that's kind of where we're at now. Yeah. The system as uh, they just went through. So they had their massive Kickstarter 1.25 million. I think it was uh, just amazing for the type of game it is, uh, you know, definitely not a, you know, your wizard of the coast style um, and uh, just blew up. Um, and they had a little bit of a rule update, uh, nothing major, but some things that really cleaned it up, made it pretty uh, just even a little bit faster. Um, and I've ran, one other game uh, on uh, a live game so far, which is super fun. Um, but yeah, now we're just into this um, and and getting ready for it. Uh, Jen, any other initial thoughts? We've only done, so we've had two session zeros uh, so far, uh, but we did a little bit, uh, you know, last night to play around with it, so. Gotcha. Yeah, no, you said everything perfectly. Um, yeah, I did uh god plane which is an original um 5e base system written by Kay and her co-writer david and so i played with them it was beautiful we did an awesome we had a great time um so when she reached out to me and was like hey like i might have this you know other opportunity i was like let's go for it i love playing horror games um i actually the only dnd campaign i've ever run was frost maiden because icewind dale is like the place to be for me for some reason so hmm. yeah yeah it's just right up my alley gotcha did did you ever like read the the icewind dale novels or play the games or anything like that oh i'm obsessed i uh i'm i'm obsessed awesome. i have um i've started reading the newer ones that are out like timeless and the newer ones that he's written but i haven't found as much time because there's too many games to play oh yeah absolutely <laughs> that is all our all our biggest issue there is time we mm. even had a nod to 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 the <laughs> legends of of uh jerts and and crew uh in god plane so that was really fun to like play around with yeah that's okay. always that's always an interesting balance to strike because you know you're playing in icewind dale and so there's this excitement of am i gonna run into dritz am i gonna run into uh wolfgar any, any of those guys, but at the same time, you don't want someone so legendary there to overshadow what the players are doing. So it, it's it's an odd balance to strike, and it sounds like you guys had kind of a satisfying experience with that. Um, when I was running it for my people, yeah. The thing is, though, if you've read the books and if you've read them recently, because as soon as I heard I, that um, Ram of the Frost Maiden was coming out, I'm like, oh, I have to get back into them and like reread the Crystal Shard and stuff. And uh, there's a lot of stuff that, like, doesn't quite fit that should so like as like a someone who's read the novels i was like oh like this should be different this this isn't supposed to be like this <laughs> so it gave me kind of um 
a different experience, but it was fun to run while I, while I did it. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, Mothership itself, uh, as we've kind of alluded to, it's a sci-fi horror game. So when it comes to sci-fi horror, there are lots of kind of great examples of the genre. And so for each of you, what's kind of your favorite sci-fi horror movie, video game, novel? Uh, what, what's kind of your favorite experience with that aspect of horror? Jen, you go first. So... <laughs> you know my lack of uh, media consumption. So. This is true. I um I used to be really obsessed with vampires and and a lot of like monsters and Dracula and Frankenstein. I used to read all those books, uh, scary stories, uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark, Goosebumps, you know, all of that stuff. Um, growing up, so it's just kind of come with me as I've gotten older. My favorite horror game is actually the Fatal Frame series. Gotcha. Um, so for those who don't know what that is, you basically run around with a camera taking pictures of ghosts that scare the crap out of you. So that's, that's fun. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how it, it affects how I approach mothership though. I feel like my character just kind of is so aloof to like, she has her own ambitions and her own goals. And so that's kind of what I focus on is like her kind of just development in the, in wherever she happens to be. Gotcha. I think that's, um, yeah, to that point, Jen, I think that's great. Cause I think that's a little bit of my approach as well in RPGs is I don't, I don't spend a lot of time watching movies and things. So I don't have a lot of references of like, okay, I want, I'm going to maybe base off this character, or whatever. It's just the little bit the you know, growing up as, as I approach uh, the big four Oh, in a few years here, um, you know, I do have plenty of experience of pop culture and other things that are there, um, you know, and that's just, I think, subconsciously pick and choose that stuff as I play in a game. And uh, as, as Jen said, I think that's great is you just, you kind of have an idea of a character and then you're going to go into this setting, which happens to be sci-fi horror and how is that person going to relate? So uh, for me, um, you know, I'm not sure what what a specific one. I'm going to, I'll mention this. Um, I recently watched because I, I traveled for work recently. And so on the plane, I was able to crank through the whole series, uh, The Silent Sea on Netflix. Um, I strongly suggest everyone to check that out. It's eight episodes. It's a Korean uh, project. Um, it is mothership fuel to the core. Like it is perfect for mothership if you needed some inspiration. Uh, super great story. Um, yeah, super cool. So that would be one that's really recent for me. Uh, that would that would be some inspiration. Um, you know, there's the classics like like Alien. I think is probably one of the biggest uh, touchstones for the game Mothership. Um, so you know, th those classics are are out there, obviously. But yeah, and w one of the things that really kind of popped into my head as I was looking through a little bit of uh, you know the the information online about Mothership was for anyone out there who's a big fan of System Shock, this would be a good uh game for you to run uh I, I think that i think that video game and and kind of the atmosphere that it uh generated would fit very well in uh this particular setting because you've got you know a, a mysterious happenings that happened on a spaceship as you have just arrived uh there's a renegade ai all kinds of crazy stuff like that so yeah I, I definitely think uh, if anyone's looking for like an entry point uh, or or a kind of shorthand for what to expect from Mothership, I think if you if you're a System Shock fan, uh, your pump is already primed for this. I have it, and I have to put that on my list now have not either uh i've I'm definitely sorry. heard of that um james just to clarify can chat here can we all hear you okay so uh so uh the man behind the uh, curtain has let us know uh chad about your question of uh <laughs> the free free league right uh alien game yeah. um aliens rpg mm. uh so yeah that's what we were just commenting on um i haven't played that either um I only know that of, uh, so actually uh, Critical Role did a 
uh, one shot, Ashley Johnson's one shot, which was a, they did a mashup of Mothership and Alien. Um, so they kind of mash those things together. That is another great, uh, if, if you enjoy Critical Role and what they do, um, that was a super awesome, I did, they touched on all the classic sci-fi horror tropes and things like that and that. Um, but yeah, nope, I, I, otherwise I haven't. I, I haven't played it, but a while back I had Andrew E.C. Gaska on the show. He is one of the contributors to that RPG. Uh, he actually works for 20th Century Fox as kind of their like lore master for uh, specifically Alien, Predator, and Planet of the Apes. That's kind nice. of where like where his wheelhouse lies. But uh, he was on a while back and, and talked a good bit about the Alien RPG. Uh, it seems super fascinating, and and I would really love to like experience that game. I know uh, for his patrons, uh, Tim Mathias from Knights and Nerds also recently ran a uh, an Alien session. So for any Knights and Nerds fans out there, uh, that's something to check out. But yeah, thank you, uh, thank you, Lou, and, and chat for that question. That that is a fantastic. I I wish. Uh, I wish I'd be. I, I wish I was more experienced with both of these games because they both sound super interesting. But you know, like Todd said, there's there's only so much time and and so many games out there mm -hmm. uh, to try. So Mothership is great in that it's. I, I think it's super fast to pick up. Like you, you know, you could jump in there. the The character sheet, like everything you need to make a character, is on that one page. It literally maps out with arrows and says, "All right, roll your stats." Okay, step two, pick your class or whatever, step, you know, et cetera. And everything is there on that sheet. You're ready to go and, and you can have a character done in minutes um, and, and jump into it. And then it's, you know, there, there is some skills or skill trees, but it's it's not, you know, like the 5e sense where you have rigid skills. It's if you if you want to do something, the only time you should be rolling dice in Mothership is if there's heavy consequences. Um, you know, so we were talking, uh, I think it was, um before the show uh but we were talking about how the, the bad luck sorry no it was on the show but the bad luck with the dice and um you know in those instances if you're the ranger and you're super good at at tracking and all that you should be able to do that you know there shouldn't necessarily be a, a dice roll involved unless there's super significant um consequences for that so yeah yeah, and I, I like that that is kind of ingrained in the system uh, because there is an element of frustration where, you know, my character is very skilled in this particular thing to where what would be a challenging task for someone in this regard is actually, uh, you know, somewhat trivial for my character. So I should be able to, you know, do things a little bit better without having to rely so much on the number the the dice, you know, shows me. And also, uh, just for like streaming purposes and, and entertainment purposes, stuff like that can really slow down the flow of a session. Yeah. And it, you know, mm -hmm. if everyone's kind of stuck standing around because you know people keep rolling twos and threes to find out what the next uh, piece of content is, uh, that can be really frustrating. And so, designing around that is definitely a, uh, a skill that you need to to foster in in that regard. Mm hmm. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that it's it goes either way. I think that Mothership does a good job of like inherently creating flaws in the system. Like Chris, for me, someone who rolls consistently badly, uh, my characters always have some sort of like extreme flaw, whether they're really easily distracted or they refuse to use their bow because of some weird oath they took to some goddess you know what i mean like there's always mm -hmm. something that inhibits them because i'm so used to screwing it all up because <laughs> of the dice rolls. but mothership kind of adds that in a different way like you have you have flaws or you have sanity so it really it really keeps that like flawed character kind of feel but you don't have to roll consistently bad to get it now, uh, Todd, I know that you've been around the block a couple times here as far as streaming games goes, but uh, Jen, what's been your experience as, as far as doing actual play uh, streams and content? Have you done a lot of it in the past, or is this uh, something that's relatively new to you? This is the second, second, third, second, th well, technically third. So I started 
Um, I did a one shot with Kay on the Women in Games International channel where I, I worked there. Um, and then she invited me to do God Plane. Um, and then I got invited to do this. But I've also been on like one off podcasts here and there. So um, yeah, I don't know. I just show up and do stuff when I'm asked to do stuff. <laughs> gotcha. gotcha. It does good when you do so. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. I try to do a good job. I did a lot of theater, so yeah, like local theater and stuff. Theater is—it's become apparent to me that theater is something that draws people to role playing, it, and it's pretty obvious. But I—I I very much got interested in role playing myself because of theater and because of you know doing high school plays and things like that. So, you know it. It's interesting how that theater background creates a certain type of uh, receptiveness to the uh, the world of RPGs. Mm. Yeah, I could see that. I I was not in theater. I, I was in band, so I've always been a performer, musician myself. So I think there's that element to it as well. Um, but I definitely step in. I know, I know Candace. I think had some uh, theater background as well. So when you step in alongside uh, two wonderful people like that i don't know if Kay has any theater background uh if she doesn't she's damn good uh yeah, without it but, so but uh you know yeah for myself like i step in next to like jen and candace and and, and Kay, and and for me you know where i might come in and and uh, be a little bit uh, shy in my abilities like it's so much fun to work with people like that because i think it brings out the best in myself as well so um, you know, it's just, I mean, that's what the game is too, just working together and, and then telling that story. So, yeah, absolutely. Now, as far as the characters that you guys are going to be bringing to the table here, uh, without giving too, too much away, uh, Todd, tell us a little bit about who you'll be portraying in this particular game. And then Jen, uh, you do the same. Mm. Absolutely. So I will be playing, uh, Lace Coley, L-A-S-E. Uh, Lace Coley is a teamster, so teamster is uh, probably the closest uh, analog would be Ripley from Alien. Uh, just your rough and tumble blue collar all around. Um, he's a bit laid back of a fellow, uh, 28 years old, who's just, you know, tied down to, to debts and things of the world and just carefree about that and says, whatever, I'm just going to you know, enjoy myself as I can, um, and uh, has uh, some past military experience uh, alongside the captain, uh, Captain Petty Williams, who is being played by uh, Candace. And uh, so we have a connection there, uh, and, and she's got a job, so she called me in to come along on that. And then uh, I decided to bring my big sister, uh, who is uh, Nix played by Jen, and then Jen has brought along, uh, I'll let her talk on this a little further, but her, uh, as I call it, project, uh, an android named Kai. So there'll be uh, some fun sibling hijinks, I'm sure. I'm, uh, in real life, I'm the oldest of four. Uh, so switching into the younger sibling uh, role will be a fun fun thing to explore <laughs> in this as well. So mm. I get to I get to be the tormentor instead of the tormented. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, doing a good job so far too, I must say. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, I'm scared I'm going to give away too much, but yeah, so I play Nyx. Nyx, I'm going to show my age a lot here when I explain Nyx's concept because Nyx is a, a, a child of, I would say, like Abby from NCIS and like Charlie Day's character from Pacific Rim which then puts acid burn from hackers in my mind, right? So she's very, like, I, she's a scientist. She um, doesn't necessarily want to be a scientist, but it's easy for her. So she's just kind of like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, she, uh, she, she's her own, she beats, she Ah, I can't even, words are hard right now when I'm trying to explain her. She's very eccentric, um, but in that kind of like, I don't have time for niceties. I don't have time for formalities. Like I need to, like A needs to happen, B needs to happen, C needs to happen. And 
she is used to living kind of a lifestyle because of her scientific background and being able to do what she does. Um, she specifies in artificial intelligence, so she naturally has created a robot android to naturally. uh naturally to go everywhere with her and do all of the things um she has found that relating to not people is a lot easier for her so gotcha yeah gotcha and then uh just to kind of give people an idea of what uh you know, generally the the plot's going to be like. Where where do we find this uh, this you know cast of characters as the uh, as the action starts and as people kind of enter the the story here? What's the uh, what's the beginning point that, that no, we find? We don't in? even know that yet, to be honest. I have no that, idea. That's up to our uh, <laughs> evil DM. Gotcha. Uh, so Dead Planet, as I mentioned, Dead Planet is a module, um, but uh, basically. Uh, you know, we've developed obviously our our plot hook, if you will, of how do we get into this. Um, the four of us are basically making a cargo run. We're hauling uh, some cargo out to an area called the Commonwealth. Um, so that's our task: basically take that out there and uh, you know get paid. So that's the uh, that's the hope. Um, but as things uh, happen in in these sorts of uh, settings something will probably go wrong and and then we find ourselves uh you know in in uh above uh dead planet gotcha we can talk about the cargo hall i can talk about it uh, i don't know about talk well no he said in chat we could talk about it oh the warden says yeah yeah warden we did we, we put a little teaser so hall. we did yeah last night we did in in our second session zero we did a little test rp just to start building that chemistry and uh we found out to much to my little, uh, my big sister's dismay is that we were hauling a bunch of bodies. I was not happy. I was not happy at all. Dead bodies. Oh. So, yeah. Yeah. Interesting indeed. Talking about dead bodies. Hey, everybody. I'm the producer here. Uh, you'll hear me every now and then feeding questions to our host and our wonderful cast members here. So, uh, Luau Lu asks... Can you speak to how the mechanics add to a feeling of dread, fear, and loss of sanity or hope? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think that would come into... So probably not like the core mechanics. So there are four stats, four main stats, uh, strength, speed, intellect, and combat. And then there's three saves, sanity, fear, and body. As we kind of touched on earlier... You don't want to make a roll unless you have to. Um, the only time you're going to make a roll is if there's something significant going on. So if you're making a roll, you're probably in trouble or trying to avoid it. Um, when you fail a roll, and I think this leads into that question, is uh, you gain uh, a mechanic called stress. And this is where that stuff, I think, uh, comes in. And, and it's a great system. So anytime you fail a roll, uh, and it's a roll under system, D100, D percentile, um, you gain one point of stress. You start at two points. Maximum is 20 points of stress you can get. And every time you um, fail the roll, uh, so you gain that point of stress. And then there's other situations that will cause you to make a panic roll, which is a single D20. And there's a table for that. You have to roll over your stress total to avoid panic. So it's better earlier because you have you know less stress uh, so you're more likely to roll over that. And if you do fail in those situations, the results on that panic table and those lower numbers aren't as bad. But then, of course, when you get up there, like if, if you have 20 points of stress, you're going to panic, guaranteed, because you can't beat that. And then uh, the worst uh, the worst one you could get is a natural 20 on that, and that just collapse. You no longer control the character, hand your sheet over to the warden, as it says. So... Um, but there's, I mean, there's things on here. There's, you know, uh, conditions of frightened, nightmares, uh, being paranoid, haunted, uh, all these different things that are built up in the panic. And, um, you know, I think the ease that those things can come up, that's uh, that's what really drives it. And I think it that does it really well. Now, are these uh, 
these things that your your character uh kind of runs into as they uh kind of continue failing roles uh do those stick with you throughout the entirety of the the play or do they go away after a certain period of time what what's it like as far as uh like a, a campaign type uh situation where are the are these you know reoccurring problems yeah uh the stress so there's ways to relieve stress um so you certainly can try and reduce that mm. um there's certainly and this is something that we we had to talk about for our campaign because death is uh likely in this system it's very deadly um so you know with us being we want we don't want to change characters or, or players so we said all right we have a backup for that which is uh we'll probably explain in the show which i think is a cool concept but um yeah otherwise that stuff comes along there's there's things that help you relieve that stress and and help out with that um you know another thing kind of on the flip side of that uh, if you're ever at that 20 points of stress, which is the max, and you gain more, um, whatever you failed, so if you failed a intellect-based skill roll, the stress you would gain from that comes off of your intellect score. So now your scores start going down, and then you're seeing that, per, you know, semi-permanent. There's ways to get that back, I believe, as well. But, you know, you're seeing hits to your skills as well to just make it, you know, more and more difficult to to survive that. Gotcha. I mean, it seems like the uh, the obvious answer for uh, how to deal with character death, since you guys have a cargo hold filled with bodies, right? Just uh, everyone, as soon as one character dies, everyone hears a knocking coming from the the hold, and and you get down there, and someone's bur burst through a crate, being like, "I wasn't actually dead." <laughs> <laughs> we shall see. We shall see. Yes. Of course, of course. The thing is, though, is that each character archetype has like an effect on the rest of the party as their stress happens. So um, I think I can talk about that, right, Todd? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So as a scientist, since my, which I'm going to need all the help I can get, I'm going to tell you that right now. But as the scientist, if I start losing, if I start gaining stress and losing sanity, every single person around me starts getting concerned and having it like it affect their sanity and their stress as well. So, um, yeah, it's going to be very fun and interesting to see how everybody affects everybody else. Yeah, because we, we have we do have one of each class, um, mm -hmm. which which is nice, you know, the balance, it's not necessary, but uh, I think it, it will make it good. So everyone has that thing. Uh, you know, I th they're super great. Uh, touch on those. The Marine, uh, so Candace's character, uh, Captain Petty, is a Marine. Uh, whenever she panics, everyone nearby must make a fear save. So it forces a save. Uh, the Android, um, fear saves made by nearby players are at disadvantage because of the creepy Android nearby. Uh, so, so we're just going to be at disadvantage on fear saves this entire campaign. So we're yep. just starting out the gate. Uh, like, so thanks Kay. Yeah. Um, scientist, as Jen mentioned, you know, whenever she fails a sanity save all nearby gain one point of stress. Uh, and then myself, the teamster, uh, once per session, I get to take advantage on a panic check. So kind of teamster being that, you know, all rounded character, they actually have a bonus to their, class uh trauma response they call it gotcha gotcha i will say uh since since k's in chat here uh i played an android in the last sci-fi game that i got to play in I, I played an android uh named v4 nc3 or vance and he he was basically um I don't know if anyone's seen the show Prison Break, but he was basically if uh, John Abruzzi uh, were killed and then brought back as an android in the far future. Nice. What so, system was that? Uh, it was Starfinder. Okay. Nice. So Ooh. playing an android can be challenging, but it can also be fun because you get to do all kinds of crazy, weird things and make yourself sound not human. Did oh, you? Yeah. yeah. So what? what did you lean into? For me... I think, you know, there, there's obviously lots of different examples of the Android. You have the really robotic ones, um, or if you go with, you know, uh, uh, Jordy from Star Trek. Uh, not Jordy, sorry, Data. Um, Data. 
data, you know, you know, much more humanistic, uh, things like that, uh, which to me, it would be a challenge to really balance either of those out. But <laughs> what did you go with there, Ryan? So what I did, my guy was, Vance was pretty much like data, but he had a homicidal streak to him, but he didn't really like care that he terrified people he was just like i'm a security android i am here to do my thing i'm here to uh you know take out who needs to be taken out and then just every now and then he'd get a flash of his old life and he'd just start like talking about doing all kinds of nasty stuff that he he used to do to people He'd be like, I remember when I was on Mars one time and I only had a single single clip of ammunition left and I was able to use it to take out 30 people. And that is why <laughs> no one no one from the Black Sun Syndicate ever says my name anymore. And everyone just be like, what are you, what, whoa? The, this guy's security? Yeah, <laughs> corrupted corrupted uh, data aspect is is... A great one to be able to explore, I'd say. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. I like always too, because like androids, it's that fine line between being just human enough and being not human enough that it's creepy. And Kay does a really almost like too good of a job riding that line to the point where it's I, like ah uh, i can't wait like she succeeds so i showed good. uh so so there's a clip out right now on uh, i posted on twitter earlier today uh some great initial banter back and forth of all of us and i showed it to my wife today and my wife said exactly that it was like <laughs> she's creepy like that's and i was like i know and it's amazing because she's and killing she's... it and she goes my wife goes but she does it too well. I'm like, I know. That's the point. So it's awesome. So excited. And we've been working out ways to do more. So yeah, it's gonna be even better on the premiere. Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be good. Yeah, Kaylee's into that heart. It's nice. So that kind of leads to a question that I've had. Um, you know, just kind of coming into this. Anytime you pick up a new RPG to run. Uh, as a stream there's this aspect of do the rules make for an entertaining show or do they get in the way of the show so you know how have you guys noticed the system enhancing the experience or how do you think it will enhance the experience uh as you guys go live uh do you think there's anything that might kind of drag things down that'll need to be worked around what are your thoughts on the system as entertainment essentially for for an audience yeah. Uh, Jen, any initial thoughts? Um, I can tell you on our sessions, the session zeros we've been running, there's been very minimal pausing and very minimal actual dice rolling. And usually it's to help make decisions in game that could be potentially random. So the role play has been really smooth and we've just been able to go from scene to scene to scene without really too much like downtime or, or kind of confusion or anything like that um we haven't had i haven't had any combat yet because we haven't done that yet but we don't um, want to have combat though. <laughs> right <true>. exactly <laughs> so you know like um i feel like the it creates room for you to be able to be more imaginative imaginative and like more free with it than i think certain other systems yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And I was, you know, I'm going to basically echo that same thing. Uh, you know, I've streamed, uh, you know, 5e, Star Wars 5e, uh, Savage Worlds, of course. Um, and uh, so Mothership and then Mouse Ritter, uh, which is based on Into the Odd, another OSR, a uh, real simple system there um, are my latest two. And um, I think that because it's, you know, I'll call it a little bit, it's, it's much more of a narrative based system. You know, because you don't have those rigid skill lists. It's, as Jen was saying, you know, we weren't really rolling dice uh, that often. We were just role playing and, and we did this little scenario in that session zero. And, you know, you didn't have to make the charisma check to persuade somebody. It was just you role played it well enough and it made sense. And, and the warden, you know, reacted to that appropriately. You know, it wasn't 
okay, if that person, you know, would react a certain way to that uh, intimidation or persuasion, then that's what happens. You know, there doesn't have to necessarily be those checks to let the dice, you know, only if there's something, uh, you know, super serious to happen. So I think in that sense, it, um, it should create a good experience because, you know, it will be just that narrative focus on the narrative aspect. Um, but yeah, is there anything that's lacking? I don't know if there's anything lacking. I think the other thing to say is that everyone enjoys, you know, something different. Um, I'm not big on, on crunchy systems myself. So, you know, but I know there's people out there that enjoy seeing all those numbers and seeing those dice rolls. So, you know, it's just kind of another thing to point out is depends on what you like as well. And to, to piggyback off of that, it makes you, you know, often when you're doing an I, uh, 5e, like actual play on stream or stream live play, you are kind of forced to bend the rules or kind of forced to take liberties in order to make it all more streamlined. And then sometimes you get that after effect of like, you feel like, oh man, like, should I have done that? Was that like, you don't have to worry about any of that anxiety really with mothership because it's kind of set up for more role play type stuff. And I feel like, like similar to like ICRPG, um, you know, you don't have to worry about that. Like, am I being a bad representation for this game because I'm bending the rules to make this a better show? You know, you don't have any of that. At least I haven't experienced any of that yet. So, yeah, yeah. It's it's funny that you mentioned ICRPG in in that regard because Hankerin has told me he he's been on here a couple times and he told me uh, when I first started uh, reading the book you can basically use that mindset the the philosophy of icrpg in any game system yeah. and it's uh it's basically you know use what's useful use what's fun and use uh you know what's going to make the game work for everyone at the table and then the rest you can discard and you should have enough structure there to have a fun entertaining uh event for the players and then if you have an audience uh the audience as well yeah, for sure. Um, and it definitely shows in the gameplay, too, um, when you're playing an ICRPG. I think that the bigger, more mainstream tabletops, I think the intention is there because they always say, like, oh, you know, you can throw the rule book away and it's fine. But I think that there, there have been people playing those systems for so long. It's kind of like in Final Fantasy fourteen, every time there's a new expansion, they just hand, like, everything else to the people that have been there before. And, like, yep. you go through that feeling of, like, oh, man, like, I, I grinded that for, like, 90 hours, and you're just going to walk up and grab level 80? Like, what is that? Yep. And I think it's that same kind of mentality that we get. Um, so creating these indie systems is really good to kind of let let the, let the I guess, quote-unquote, filthy casuals have our, like, role-playing kind of space and then still allow that stricter role-play for the people that want to play those type of games. Yeah, and it is, it, it's very different. And I know we have uh, a question here in chat from from Lou again, who's just killing it with these questions here. I, I'm so glad that he's here. Um, you, you have to think of these things differently because... At a tabletop, you've got people who are there just to play the game. The only people you have to entertain are the people at the table. Right. Uh, whereas with a stream, it's not just, you know, is everyone having fun at the table? That's important because that's the only way you're going to get people to continue doing it. Right. But it's also a matter of are you, you know, what's going to make things flow and make things entertaining for uh, the audience? And Whereas with a, a game that you're playing at the table, you can spend five sessions in the same dungeon doing the same things over and over again, going room by room, grinding things out. That's a really boring thing to watch. Yes. So it's almost it, it turns RPGs into a completely different thing because it's it's more than just a game you're playing at the table. Now, it's essentially like your your script for uh, this this show that you're trying to right. put on. So it, it certain aspects uh, fall by the wayside in that regard. And and speeding things up, speeding up combat, speeding up exploration, speeding up the things that will slow down a game, not doing as many uh, big shopping sessions. That's enough. <laughs> that's what slows down my tabletops. Yep. I'll tell you. 
Uh, that's yeah. the kind of stuff that has to that ends up on the cutting room floor uh, when it comes to stream games. That's the kind of stuff you have to streamline and, and do away with. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, yeah. You know, unless you have um, another big part of it too is 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 your players. If you know, I going forward, you know, my intention is as Valor Studios does as well as with their shows is is to put on a show for an audience. You know, so we're intentional with with the people we bring on and and I'm so excited about the cast that I have to join me. I know it's going to be a blast to work with them. And um, I was talking with uh, someone a while ago about, uh, you know, just, just production and, and things like that for these, for these live plays, actual plays. And they mentioned to me something that I, I think e- even if you're not intended to go in live stream, but if you have a home game, pretend that you do have an audience there in your living room. You know, the, the concept sounds so weird. Like if you had your home game sitting around your dining table and you invited your cousin over to watch, you know, what would that be like? You know, and I think a lot of people might think, well, that would be potentially weird, but at the same time, you know, maybe not, maybe they would sit there and enjoy that. And I think the point that I'm getting at is, you know, does that change the mindset just a little bit to everyone at the table? And, and, uh, you know, bring a little bit more out of them at the table as well as if you, if you think that you have an audience too. So. Yeah. And that's, I, I've had a couple situations where, uh, you know, people have been at my tables where I've been running or where I've been playing and they want to watch the session. And when I, when I tell, when I see that happen, usually I see them lose interest because again, games at the table, aren't necessarily meant to be observed. Right. Sometimes I try to, you know, make it entertaining for that person. But the thing that I tell people who want to like watch a table game is, you know, we'll get your character here and just, you know, join in. Yeah. I mean, it also depends on like what your goal is too. Yeah. Right. Hmm. Because I think that, there are so many live play RPG sessions now that it almost is like comforting to see a table play a little bit more because yeah. yep. I feel like it's it's just like, oh, okay, it's still there. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> and, and so many people, I think part of the, so many people feel intimidated too because they feel like they have to be these grand rule players. They have to like be able to do all these things. And like, it, it really depends on what you're you're going for. Yeah. But if I'm not in the mood to watch somebody grind on an MMO or an RPG or a TTRPG, then yeah, I'm going to flip to another channel for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so w- one thing that's really going to be interesting for me to see as you guys launch the show, uh, the the tone that you guys are going to end up striking, because RPGs in general, uh, and we saw this with uh, with you know Hellgate, I've seen this in uh, in Nighthaven, the the game that I run on the side. In general, the the act of playing RPGs, people are generally very loose, very fun loving. There's lots of jokes being cracked, but at the same time, you've got a horror system, right? So uh, tonally, and I, I know this is kind of hard to pin down since you guys are at the beginning of it. Tonally, are you are you guys shooting for that like? kind of darker horror style thing with, you know, like minimal side conversation, or are you guys just going to let things happen as they happen? And, and, you know, hopefully some of that fear and dread comes through, uh, even, you know, past the, the casual environment of an RPG. Right. Uh, I think our warden is going to ratchet up as much as possible to put us into that suspense. Um, I think the the Ypsilon one shot we did is a great example of that. He did an amazing job. Um, but there was, even with our, our you know, kind of test session last night, there was a lot of moments of in-character, you know, lightheartedness, humor uh, here and there a little bit. But I think it will be, you know, my push, you know, kind of producing the show is in, in, you know, you know, this Ryan from, from Deadlands is stay in character, you know, characters can crack jokes, characters can laugh and have fun. And that's what we're after. Um, 
but you know, as a, as again, that was a test session of us getting onto the job. I know that shit's going to get dark and, uh, you'll see it in our faces. I guarantee it. And I'm super looking forward to that. So, you know, tone wise, I think that'll definitely show up, uh, that, you know, suspense and, and dread and all of that. Uh, I have full faith in rich being able to convey that for all of us. And, uh, and then all of us, you know, um, eating that up as well and, and, uh, acting into it. Yeah. Gotcha. I, I would say the vibe so far from my perspective, it's like cowboy bebop the anime mm -hmm. mixed with like aliens mixed with like the grudge that's what i've got so far <laughs> gotcha rich says the widening gyre meets the color in spaces <laughs> gotcha sounds like a little bit of event horizon as well uh, just from the description of Cowboy Bebop meets the ring. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Except like aliens. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Because, because I think that there, the character archetypes are so extreme, um, since we're playing all four different types mm -hmm. that the comedy is just going to show up naturally in us trying to deal with each other i know that yeah. me and lace have had is like have had instances over the past like 24 hours that have been like just hilarious just in the nature of how our characters interact with each other so i don't it's not going to be it's definitely going to be like horror and and gore and and lots of like scary stuff but i feel like the way we react to it is going to be somewhat a little bit comical at times. yeah yeah, absolutely. You know, that's a, a way to manage stress for some people is is to try and laugh it off. So mm. see how that comes out. Plus, we have a really creepy robot with us the entire time. So yeah, I can I can only imagine the suspenseful uh, moments you guys are going to have when there's some, uh, you know, creepy stuff happening. You haven't seen anything yet, but you know, it's out there. And then uh, Kay says something in, in the robot voice. I imagine that's that's going to create quite a tense environment there. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Gotcha. So this is starting uh, this Sunday, right? This is yep. uh, this is premiering this Sunday. Coming this Sunday, February 6th, 8 p.m. Eastern time. I can't wait. And we'll be going uh, for nine weeks straight, including this weekend. And I'll wrap it up. Gotcha. Yeah. And this will be this will be on your Twitch channel, right, Todd? Yes. Yep. Twitch.tv slash Todd Moonbounce. Find it there. Gotcha. Awesome. Cool. Well, uh, you know, we, we know that you guys uh you know have other things that you, you need to get to this evening. Uh I appreciate you guys taking the time to, you know, come on the show here and talk about this this has been a great conversation uh but i want to give you guys a few minutes here at the end to uh you know tell everyone where they can find you what projects you've got cooking besides uh the obvious one that we're talking here so uh whoever wants to go first can go first but just tell everyone you know social media wise where uh you can be found and what you're currently working on yeah jen okay uh sure uh hi i'm jen um i'm currently working on this lovely show right here uh, and also you can find me, um, I run a podcast called Cheat Codes over at Women in Games International. I'm also a talent manager at Tyrus TV. You can find me on the internet, on Twitter. I do all sorts of stuff there. And, and on Twitch, I'm Youngles, as you can see in chat. So yeah, come on over, say hi, let's connect, let's collab, let's play some games together. I've got, I've got stuff. I got magic cards, so we can play that too. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Todd. Alrighty. Uh, yes, I am Todd Moonbounce. You can find me online at Todd Moonbounce, most everywhere, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube. Uh, so yes, I've got uh, Dead Planet coming up uh, next Sunday, as we mentioned. And uh, I do also have a Star Wars 5e mini campaign, three sessions uh, through February Wednesdays at 8 p.m., uh, starting the 9th, I believe it is, for three weeks. Uh, doing that as well. And then whatever else I can squeeze into the calendar in between that. Uh, February is pretty busy um, for that. And just 
just always looking uh, to put together a, a great story with uh, other people. So if, if you want to join a game and something, um, you know, hit me up uh, on Twitter and whatnot, and would love to to put that together. Absolutely. It, it's funny that you mentioned February being busy because I noticed that even though February is the shortest month, it always feels like it takes forever and there's always a million things to do in yeah, February. I, I don't know what it is, but man, February. You spend January kind of like catching up and getting into the year and then it's like, okay, now it's here. We got to yeah, hit the gas. So yeah, absolutely. Well, guys, thank you so much for coming on Rolling Bones. This has been a great, uh, you know, first time with Valor Studios. So, uh, you know, I hope you guys enjoyed your time on here. I'm looking forward to uh, Dead Planet. And I hope everyone else out there who's watching this, everyone who sees this on YouTube afterwards, and everyone who's listening uh, on Spotify or wherever it is you uh, you listen to Rolling Bones. Hope you guys will tune in to Dead Planet this Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time over at twitch.tv slash Todd Moonbounce. Awesome. Yes. Thank you so much for having us on, Ryan. This was fantastic. Thank Absolutely. You. And just to let you guys know what's coming up in the next couple weeks, uh, next week, the very first guest that I ever had on Rolling Bones, Tim Mathias, is going to be returning. He is uh, punching his card and joining the Three Timers Club. Uh, so he'll be on here with Sarah Bolstridge, one of his players in Season 2 of Knights and Nerds. We're going to be talking all about Season 2, uh, all kinds of crazy stuff that happened there. Tim and I have had some conversations on his podcast about what's going on with Season 2, so we're going to talk about that on my show for the first time. And I hope you guys will tune in here, same bat time, same bat channel, 8 p.m. Central at twitch.tv slash Valor Studios for Rolling Bones. So until then, guys, uh, whether you rolled a 1 or a 20, I am so glad that you rolled your bones and continue to roll your bones with me, Ryan Howard, and I will catch you guys next time.